So, Reed, have you heard about this Instagram account called Just a Construction Guy? No, I haven't. It was created by a guy who was trying to prove to his daughter that he could be an influencer. So he started posting pictures of himself as a construction worker. Within one month, he amassed 400,000 followers on Instagram. It's amazing. It just goes to show you that anyone can be an influencer if they set their mind to it. Yeah, I'm going to be just a social media guy. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into digital tools, solutions, and strategies that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Now, here are your hosts. All right, welcome to episode number 142 of Touchpoint. I am Reed Smith, joined by, in this case in person, joined by Chris Boyer. That's right, Reed, and I did not come over to Nashville to find you. You actually are in the state of Minnesota. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you've heard us talk about the different places we'll be. Uh, Well, we are currently in Rochester, Minnesota for the uh, annual Mayo Clinic Social Media Network Conference. And we're actually recording this episode in the Plummer Building. If you want a little history, you can go look up who Dr. Plummer is. Mm -hmm. But we are in the Jay and Rose Phillips Hall. Because they won't let us back into the Plummer Library, I understand. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) But Jay Jay and Rose Phillips Hall, did they sing uh, I Can Go For That or Anteater? Is that... Is that a, oh no! No, that's Sorry. Hall and Oates. Hall and Oates. Sorry, <laughs> but close, close, yeah, close. This is fun. So we actually get to record a show mm-hmm. uh, live and in person, which we're actually going to be recording a couple of different things while we're here. But this is kind of our weekly uh, recording, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode one forty two, like we mentioned. Uh, quick plug for the website Touchpoint Health. Please be sure to uh, jump over there, check out the other shows on the network and uh, all the cool things that are happening there. Check out Lance Lunsford, the new host of The Connected Hospital, mm-hmm. some new content on that stream, and rate, review, subscribe, wherever you happen to be uh, happen to be listening is a, a huge help and a huge benefit to us. So let's take a quick pause and then we'll be right back with the show. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial. With customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors. Sure is. And Reed, consider this. 86% of patients today read online reviews and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating. Demand. They demand it. Yeah, they do. Well, to stand out, choose Reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty. And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com slash touchpoint. That's reputation.com slash touchpoint, where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide and build a reputation that performs for you. Reed, it's been, I don't know, 
almost 100 episodes since we actually talked <laughs> briefly about this topic that we're going to go into right now, which is an episode. Today we're going to be talking about influencer marketing. So uh, not new. No. I mean, this is something that's been around for a while. Um, it does evolve and change over time, uh, certainly. Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe even the way we think about what an influencer could be uh, has probably changed quite a bit over the years. But when, when you hear influencer, what's what's just, I'm sure most people kind of think along the same, but it's, you know, Kim mm-hmm. Kardashian, right? That's right. Or, or the, it's the Fire Festival. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's what comes to mind when I think about it. Maybe influencer uh, travesties if you think about it in certain ways uh-huh. but you know I think about like celebrities I think about like large spokespeople that are basically employed to help promote a brand maybe uh, in, in many cases like when you think about fashion or you think about um, food or you think about even you know um mm-hmm cosmetic products those kinds of things I think about people that do that like professionally right they have a large following on social media and they're promoting their products to their audience it's funny because um, I think a lot of people also or maybe they lump this all together but you know we talk about patient testimonials and have for a lot of years Mm -hmm. right let's put some patient testimonials on the website let's do some work you know typically in a video format Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily I mean I guess there could be some overlap there but that's not really what we're talking about this this has not this doesn't have to do with testimonials necessarily no and also it has nothing to do with your doctors right using your doctors to help promote information about service lines about you know particular treatments particular conditions whatever it might be that isn't necessarily what influencer marketing is either today we're going to try to help dispel the myths of influencer marketing we have a great interview a little bit later uh, with a person who actually does influencer marketing consulting for PR and marketing firms since we're going to dispel the myths of influencer marketing maybe we start with a definition what do you think let's do it so Wikipedia talks about influencer marketing is defined by uh, a form of social media marketing involving endorsements and product placements from influencers that seems pretty straightforward I guess Mm -hmm. Uh, people and organizations who purport expert levels of knowledge and or social influence in their respective fields. So these are people well thought of in what it is that they do. Mm-hmm. I don't know if for a living is the right word, but I guess kind of what they're known for or their expertise. Right. So when you think about that definition, right, before we get into the second part of this, your doctors could very well be influencers in this context, according to this definition, if they have a large social media following and they're kind of thought leaders around that. But the thing that really gets kind of squishy for us in healthcare is that endorsements and product placement things, it sounds like there's some kind of financial transaction associated with it, which is probably why a lot of us maybe don't associate uh, physicians and Mm. influencers as the same. The second part of the definition, influencer content may be framed as testimonial advertising, where influencers play a role of a potential buyer themselves. So now we're kind of abutting against testimonials of patients, right? Yep. Or they may be involved as third parties, and these third parties can be spotted either within you know, a variety of different areas like supply chain, retailers, manufacturers, or among, I love this part of it, the so-called value-added influencers, such as <laughs> journalists, academics, industry analysts, and professional advisors. So-called. So-called. <laughs> So-called value-added influencers. So is that clear now with the definition, Reed? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I may be more confused now. 
But but they do talk in there about kind of that third party review, I guess. Because mm-hmm. again, I, you still think about this more in the B to C context, usually a kind of retail space, right? Mm-hmm. You see Instagram influencers where they're Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about, you know, the, it's used like apparel or shoes or what, whatever it is, right? The interesting one, the added value influencers, uh, the industry analyst, that's kind of an interesting role. I've well, never thought about that as an influencer per se. Uh, just, I mean, they, they influence mm-hmm. buying decisions, I guess. They do. I guess, so does that mean that potentially, if done right, Influencer marketing can actually go all the way into government relations because, quite frankly, government relations spends a lot of time in that regard, right? Working with industry analysts and even uh, legislature to help promote and advocate for your brand. Yeah, GR. I've never. Yeah, they're 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 <laughs> Instagram influencers. Well, I'm going to go tell people that now. <laughs> Well, I think the important part here, right, is that we keep going back to Instagram, which happens right. to be like the big social media sure, platform here. Sure. It, part of it is, you know, back to the earlier part of the definition, you have to have a, it's it's a social media marketing tactic, and you have to have a lot of audience. Uh, and so way back in episode 52, we talked about the role of the micro influencer versus the macro influencer. So, you know, dial back your podcast settings and, and listen to episode 52 way back when, when we were mm-hmm. just freshmen around doing this <laughs> only a year in. Yeah. But the one thing that we do know, though, is influencer marketing changes a lot. We thought it would be good to maybe drill in a little bit to an article that talks about some of the influencer marketing trends for brands in 2019. And, and caveat here, they may change for 2020, but we're going to talk about what's happening here because you never know when the next fire festival comes around and changes That's the right. rules, right? That's right. So um, why don't we uh, talk a little bit about some of the trends there and see what they're saying. Now, this, keep in mind, is across all industries. Sure. Sure, absolutely. Well, you found an article. Is it Pixly? Is that the, the yeah. name of the site, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, is, it is 2019 Influencer Marketing Trends for Brands. The first one they talk about, which is one we've already mentioned, which is Instagram will remain a key influencer marketing channel. Obviously, with it being very visually oriented, I guess mm-hmm. that's one reason, uh, highly engaged. Uh, it's just ripe for what this is, mm-hmm. right? I mean, people are consuming a large amounts of content. Uh, most of this, uh, again, as we think about it, especially in the B2C space, is, is visual in nature. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Instagram makes perfect sense. Yeah, I think it is a natural platform. Uh, another point they mention is that influencer relationships with brands will be more strategic and less transactional, which I think is walking itself away from the old world of influencer where you pay people to promote your brand. Mm. In this case, they're saying that relationships with trusted influencers will move to more strategic partnerships because influencers, particularly on Instagram but other social platforms, have gained credibility with their audiences. And so the audiences are also becoming wise to these transactional elements, right? You can't just pay someone to be your influencer now. Smart brands will have to rely on these influencers to help provide insights into and maintaining that community of people Mm. within their fan base, so to speak, or their community. Another trend that they're seeing, too, that this article highlights is that user-generated content will be king 
across all marketing channels. And here, here's where it gets really kind of interesting because we know that uh, influencer content can be sponsored to a certain extent. It's, it's actually influenced. But really here what they're, they're talking about is you're starting to mix influencer content across email, product display pages, even advertising channels. So now it's breaking free from Instagram. Mm. And now yeah. what happens is you could start to have, you know, maybe an authentic and consistent brand appearance across a variety of different places where the audiences are. So now you're, maybe your, your Instagram influencer will start to become one of your email marketers too. Will they? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's an that's an. Inch. I'm not sure we can convince some of the Instagram influencers to to be. I don't want to uh, get an email from that. Kim Kardashian. I'm just saying. No, no, <laughs> probably not. Uh, the next thing they point out is that the number of influencers will continue to increase mm. with the amplification of social media. Everybody's an influencer, at least yeah. to some degree. There's going to be. I guess it's going to get noisier, right? I mean, there's always going to be, I guess, those, uh, we keep going back to the Kardashians, but the famous people, if mm -hmm. you will, that will kind of be at the top of that pyramid. But as you really kind of get nuanced and you start looking at certain brands and, you know, a lot of the time that I spend, and we keep going back to Instagram, but a lot of time that I spend on Instagram has to do with more of my hobbies, right? right. Uh, leatherworking, woodworking, things like that. And so there's these kind of nuanced people that I, that I like to follow. Mm-hmm. And they're using certain brands of tools, right? So they're influencers for these particular brands. They don't have huge followings necessarily, mm -hmm. but you know they're probably having a real impact for that particular brand because it is such a small and kind of a sliver of that. But you do have to kind of sift through a million things to find that kind of stuff. You know, and later in the interview, Alex will get into that and the whole role of the micro-influencer in this mm -hmm. strategy. So the next one, uh, the demand for authentic content will increase. Uh, so like I just mentioned, you know, I'm <laughs> following these folks. Well, a lot of the reason I'm watching the videos is not to see them review a tool, right, that mm -hmm. they're using, but is the project that they're working on or the particular skill that they're showing how to make dovetail joints or whatever it is. Um, and so that authentic content keeps people coming back. It just happens to be that they're using these tools and they may show that, hey, this is neat for this particular thing, mm -hmm. but that you're not really watching it for that reason. That really becomes the, the, the rule here. This is one of the ever-changing things of influencer marketing. Not only will authentic content be important, but another point they mentioned here is that reaching those target audiences is going to become tougher. And really what you're going to do is your, your content strategy and your role with the influencer is going to be such that it's much more organic in nature, that mm -hmm. it's much more natural. And in this particular case, it's going to help those influencers will use that community driven approach that they have to really tell, talk about your brand in an authentic way. And that makes it, allows you to kind of reach that hard to reach audience in this noisy, crazy world of social media and Instagram in a very authentic way, not the fire festival away, but in the real <laughs> way, right? right? Which really leads to the last trend, which we've alluded to before, is that now you can choose between a micro-influencer strategy, which is a lot different than a mega-influencer strategy. So mega-influencers still hold a role, uh, and later Alex will talk about too, like where to use what in terms of like if you're doing branding versus service line promotion. But micro-influencers, while that's not a new concept, the way you can actually leverage and amplify those people are going to be very, very helpful for the future. 
Now what we'll do is after the break, Reed and I will dive a little bit deeper into how influencer marketing can be considered for healthcare brands. And we'll do that right after a word from our sponsors. Coming soon from Greystone, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media, live from HCIC, a new podcast that brings you front row access to the latest innovative strategies that are shaping tomorrow's healthcare industry. In this 12-part series, as recorded live at the Healthcare Internet Conference, we'll hear from industry experts such as Paul Madsen of the Cleveland Clinic, Kathy Smith of Roper St. Francis Healthcare, David Feinberg from Mount Sinai Health System, Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine, and many others. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media. So before the break, Reed and I were discussing like trends that are not specific to healthcare. They're specific to all influencer marketing. But we all know that influencer marketing for you know, like a burger joint or the latest bar or whatever is a lot different than healthcare than what we do. There's the higher stakes involved. We actually found another article on a website called Media Logic that is called Influencer Marketing Considerations for Healthcare Brands. And they do a really good job in this article diving into some of the things that are important for healthcare brands to consider. Now, it's also important to see here that when they say healthcare brands, they're kind of also looking at the larger healthcare right. industry segment, right? right? So um, yeah. we know influencer marketing is really big in pharmaceutical. They do that a lot right now. Sure. But uh, in this particular case, we're gonna get we're just gonna dive in and maybe talk about some of these. So Reed, you want to tee up the first one here? Sure. So the first thing they talk about is for regional and smaller healthcare brands, which is probably what most providers fall into, whether that's hospitals or, or otherwise. Mm-hmm. The use of micro or even nano influencers. Ooh. Oh, no. Is that smaller, like by a, a yeah. order of a thousand or yeah. what? Yes, it's the <laughs> nano influencer. It, it only plays music. It doesn't have the phone built in. <laughs> or uh, while, while mega and macro influencers are unquestionably more well-known and garner the most attention, the, the smaller ones, like we were talking about earlier, even before the break, uh, can provide value to lower cost. Mm-hmm. So again, to go back to the you know the example I was talking about earlier with the different power tools and this that and the other. Well, they can just provide free tools to some of these woodworkers and mm-hmm. probably get a pretty good bang for their buck because mm-hmm. they're just providing them some. They're just out the cost to manufacture that tool, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a promotional cost. You know, a couple episodes ago, we were talking to uh, Gina Zark with uh, Northwell, and she was talking about how they actually have worked with an influencer around breast cancer that's well-known in the New York City area, and, and, and worked with her to actually have her blog about on their platforms around breast cancer. That's a great example of leveraging a local mm-hmm. nano influencer. Well, I guess in New York City, it's probably a bigger market than, let's say, you know, Austin or... Nashville. I sure. Mean, so they may be a, a micro-influencer, who knows, but that's a great way of doing that. A second point they may make here, though, is uh, through social listening, healthcare co- marketers can start to track conversations around their brand or maybe around particular topics or keywords that might be important to them 
think you know service lines think about like an orthopedics there's a variety of different things sports medicine i know mayo clinic themselves they actually work with influencers that are athletes to help promote sure some of their you know services that they do at their sports medicine facility in minneapolis by getting a pulse on what the target audience is already talking about and kind of leveraging into that conversation sure. is a great way to discover some opportunities where you can maybe start to pursue influencer marketing. And that's what a lot of the monitoring services are, are selling now, right? I mean, uh, without using some of their names, you know, these are platforms you would have contracted historically to monitor broadcast media, print, radio, whatever it is. You know, and then there was kind of the social component, and now there's this influencer component. Well, who who in this space is talking about these things mm-hmm. and trying to surface who the influencers may be? Because in a lot of cases, in some of these cases, not necessarily the, the athletes, but some of these people may not really even realize they're playing that role, mm-hmm. right? They just, they have an influential voice uh, for the people that follow them on Twitter or whatever it is. Another point here that they talk about is uh, to build strong relationships with influencers. Uh, reach out to them, thank them for following and interacting with your content, or mention even that you enjoy reading the content that they produce. It's kind of a help us help you kind of a scenario. So once you establish kind of that dialogue, much like you would do with a reporter, they're much more likely to participate, I guess, on an ongoing basis to some degree. It's an important distinction you said right there about like much like you would do with a reporter, right? It's you're investing in that relationship. Mm-hmm. I think we're moving away from where we pay people to promote us and more the cost is around building that relationship, building that authentic connection and conversation. These people may already be talking about your brand or about a particular medical condition or what have you. Yeah. And it's really building that organic component right well and i mean if you think about it probably the biggest group of influencers we have are the employees mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right and again we don't think about that that way when you start mm-hmm. talking about influencer marketing no one's thinking like that's our employee base yeah or whatever it is right but that's if you start looking through definitionally how this stuff is defined and then ultimately how you should interact with these folks it lines up very nicely with advocacy type work that you would do internally. I think that leads very naturally to the next point that they bring up, which is it's important not to ignore the need for disclosure. At a certain point, you're going to get into some kind of relationship with them where you might be you know, discussing ways that they can help influence your brand. And it might not be financial, but it's very important, particularly in this day and age, for us to disclose that. And there are guidelines. They actually mentioned this article. The FTC has some easy-to-understand guidelines around what you need to do around endorsements with individuals uh, on social networking sites. It goes all the way into online reviews views and social media contests. We'll link to this article in our show notes so people can then click through to the FTC guidelines just so you have it. But I think that's really important at a certain point when you have that influencer relationship established. Then you need to really disclose that transparently. And then you need to go to what is probably the most important thing around all of this, Reed, right? Which is goals, KPIs. How, How do you know it worked? How do you know this is worth your time, you know, et cetera? Uh, so not necessarily true ROI, but, you know, ha, ha, you know, is the investment worth, you know, the effort? Uh, they talk about some different marketing goals and KPIs here in the article. 
the first one they call out is is conversions. And so much like a lot of you know your other marketing that you're doing, what are we wanting these folks to do? How do you determine that that is happening? So that's your conversion rate, right? So we talk about like click throughs and things like that. But it could be you want them engaging with you. It could be them signing up for some of your content or mm-hmm. downloading or be kind of coming part of a community, if you will. Mm-hmm. How are you getting these folks involved? Are you suggesting that there's people now clicking out of Instagram and going to your website? No. <laughs> Actually, the, the link is in the bio. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, that, that's a harder one, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you do want to try to get folks involved sure. to some degree. Another thing, too, is referral traffic. Using, you know, Google Analytics or comparing visitors, referral sources, what have you. A lot of times when you're engaging in an influencer marketing campaign, you want to have some kind of referral approach or referral strategy. And it could be very much like to the point of going out to this website and downloading this, you know, ebook about how to raise your child right or whatever it might be and using this code that comes directly from that influencer so you can track referrals, right? Yep, absolutely. One that's maybe one of the more easy things to to measure but is is important is reach and awareness. Um, And so obviously a major goal, just like brand awareness, uh, this kind of falls in that same camp of, of influencer marketing. But you can track obviously that pretty effectively, especially in social and things like that. But, you know, who are we reaching uh, you know, how are we building that awareness? And related to that, right, it's audience growth. The assumption is that as you work with influencers that have a large audience, that maybe you can, through a successful strategy, you can actually kind of move some of that audience over to start to follow you and build up that, that audience yourself. So you really want to measure that and, 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 and also keep track of your influencers as well and how they're growing their audiences so that you can see if there's any correlated behavior. Uh, and then finally, the, they talk about engagement. So with the idea of growing your audience, it's important to assess how they interact. Depending on the platforms, likes, comments, shares, you know, all, all the kind of typical things, video views, even mentions, et cetera, mm-hmm. are, are important. I mean, those are some really good things to kind of keep in our back pocket as we go down uh, the path of exploring if influencer, strat- influencer marketing is right for you. After the break... We're going to jump over and listen to an interview with Alex Slodner. She is uh, an influencer marketing expert. She's working with a lot of people in the Twin Cities area. And she actually happens to be related to a friend of the pod, which is Tony Huth at Manicom. She happens to be his wife. So that'll well, be an interesting. That? So right after the break, we'll listen to her. And then um, we'll be back to wrap up the show. All right, welcome back to the Ask the Experts section of the podcast. And today I have someone that has never been on the show before, and that's my dear friend, Alex. Thank you very much. Appreciate so, it. So, Alex, I got to know you via uh, Tony Hoof, mm-hmm. who is with uh, the Medicom. Yeah, you know him very well. Yes. He's actually your husband, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to know you through him, and I have come to find out that you're an expert on the topic that we've been talking about in today's podcast. But before we get there... Why don't you do a little brief introduction outside of the fact that you're married to Tony um, and tell people a little bit about you. So I started out as a freelance writer and I've been doing that for about 18, 19 years. Mm -hmm. That sort of organically developed into marketing because really when I look back, I realize that most of the writing I've done is content writing 
and it was content marketing before there was such a thing as content marketing and that led very naturally into this new world of influencer marketing i being in the same room as some influencers became fascinated by the the genre and the really the democratic way that that business manifested itself and got to know some folks in that world and just became very interested in it so it really just happened very mm -hmm. naturally i just got more and more clients and you hear that happening, but it really is true. Right. So you're the classic uh, story of uh, the organic growth of influencer marketing and in, in, on social media. Correct. But I come at it from the curating part. I am not an influencer in my own right. <laughs> but I have a lot of respect for what they do, and I'm very, very excited about mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, the work they do. Absolutely. And you work with a lot of uh, different types of people that are influencers, maybe not necessarily in the healthcare space, but that's the reason why we're having you on the show, because we want to get sort of that outsider perspective. What type of people do you work with right now? I work with a lot of food, mm -hmm. a lot of travel hospitality, but in a, the way it relates, I think, very well to the healthcare space is fitness. Fitness is a big, big niche for influencer marketing because fitness to me straddles both the hey, I took a great picture on in, an Instagram, but also thought leaders. These folks really do know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. So some of them are yogis, or they have their own studios, or are triathletes. They're, they're very avid fitness experts, mm -hmm. but also have a, a large social following. So they have the influence part, and they also have the thought leader part. Let's start off with that. Um, let's start off with actually definitions, mm. because to a lot of people listening, and they may think about influencer marketing in different ways. Sure. Reed and I have tried to clear it up, but we may have made it more confusing <laughs> by this time. So mm -hmm. you're here to help us oh, uh, keep great. it straight. How do you define influencer marketing? So influencer marketing is basically you tapping into the social media followership of influencers and just so you know they hate that word but there is no other word so it is what it is to tell your story to tell the brand story and influencer marketing influencers themselves are really i think of it as the front porch the digital front porch when you are sitting on your front porch and somebody walks up one of your neighbors walks up and you say hey i just took my kid to the new pediatrician down the street that neighbor is much more likely to listen to you and to trust you than they are to an ad in the newspaper or in a magazine and I think traditional media is absolutely here to stay. I am not knocking traditional marketing. I come from traditional media. But using influencers is just a, a new organic way of doing that. It's sort of the Wild West, which so it, I'm not surprised that you're having a hard time defining it. And what I say here is based on experience and research, but also really a matter of opinion. It doesn't make it right or wrong. It's really just how I tap into their power mm -hmm. that defines it for me. And so... For me, an influencer that I might use is someone who has a large social media, and we'll talk, we can talk later about micro versus large followings, but someone who has a significant social media following so that they have earned trust and they have started, they have, are known factor in influencing people's decisions, mm -hmm. but also someone who knows what they're talking about. You have to have both. When I think about influencer marketing, I think about some of the negative mm -hmm. things that you hear in the media, the Kim Kardashians, yeah. even the Fire Festival. And how you described it, though, sounds a lot like taking word of mouth, um, exactly. which is, is the elusive marketing tactic, right, of word of mouth, exactly and really right. amplifying it very, very targeted ways on social. Is that a fair way to say that? That's exactly right. And uh, 
if we take Kim Kardashian, for example, she is the antithesis of what I would use because social media influencers uh, have built a following on social media through original content creation, through organic growth. They've built a credibility in a variety of niches uh, like healthcare, fitness, or wellness, but they've done so organically. Nothing Kim Kardashian does is organic. <laughs> so she's a celebrity. She's in my book, she would not be considered an influencer. She is just a, for better or worse, an outright celebrity. Mm -hmm. In simplest terms, uh, influencers can help brands build relationships with their audience. And so in that respect, yes, I'm sure that that's true for her. But I would much rather talk to someone who has organic growth and really knows what they're talking about. Tell us a little bit about influencer marketing versus thought leadership, because mm -hmm. a lot of that seems colluded too. Well, certainly, and they can be both. So oftentimes they are both, especially in healthcare, I would assume that they are both. You in healthcare is, is tricky. It's very important that the people who are talking to your audience know what they're saying. Mm -hmm. So fundamentally, the way I think of it, influencers are about the number of followers. Just Let's just put out their popularity. Mm -hmm. And thought leaders are more about the expertise and the knowledge. And mm -hmm. each person can be both of those things. Mm -hmm. But... It really depends on the needs of your brand of right. which way you're going to go. And just because you're one doesn't mean you're necessarily the other. The Correct. idea would probably be both, right? It, it doesn't mean you're necessarily the other, but it also does not mean that you're not both. They're not mutually exclusive. And I referred to it earlier that influencer marketing has gotten a lot of bad press over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And in the healthcare space, it also was very dubious. A lot of our listeners are like, are not, I would say that not many of them are, in, are engaged in influencer marketing. Let's talk about some of the challenges maybe mm -hmm. of influencer marketing. And well, sure, there's a lot at stake in healthcare, mm -hmm. in healthcare marketing. And so it's very different than a picture of a burger. Mm -hmm. So I can, there, <laughs> there's a lot more to think about there. Mm -hmm. And just the word, I understand why they don't like the word. The word influence is not a positive word. No one wants to be influenced. Mm -hmm. No one wants their brand exploited. But the bottom line is that is what they do. They influence decision making and purchases. That's no different than your sister telling you that she just bought a new foundation that she loves. And mm -hmm. so we, we just need to be very careful how we tread and make sure that we are doing it ethically and organically. Mm -hmm. And I know I keep using that word and I'll, mm -hmm. I can talk about what that means. Mm -hmm. But I think that as a brand, if you really stick to your, to your values and you make sure you're curating the right influencer, it can go terribly, terribly wrong if you're using the wrong influencer. It can really kill it for you. Long term, mm -hmm. if the first campaign you use uses the wrong influencer, you've sort of started down a bad path. Yeah, I can imagine that. So you mentioned that you stressed organic, and now you're right. talking about curation. Let's get yes. into the, let's get into both of those sure. concepts. Not to be negative, but there are folks out there who you know once influencer marketing became a thing, there's a lot to be gotten from that. There's freebies, there's trips, there's a lot of money involved, and so there are folks who buy followers. There's everybody knows about. Maybe they don't, but there's a whole bot sub-cottage industry that has popped up. It's becoming more and more difficult to figure out who those folks are, to be honest, but there are ways of finding that out. So that leads to how you curate and how you right. investigate. What are some tips that you can uh, give people that are like, how, what, how, do you, how would you curate people? Right. So... <laughs> 
it's getting harder. Like I said, it used to be very simple. If you spend the time of just digging deep into their feeds, it, it was pretty obvious. If somebody at 3 a.m. got 20 followers without a photo in their profile from mm -hmm. Mexico, mm -hmm. those are not real human beings. Mm -hmm. But the more you look deeply into their followership, the more you're going to see it, which is why some of my clients are PR firms, because PR firms up until recently have been, and not that there's anything wrong with an intern working at the PR firm, but they will just, social media and mm -hmm. influencer marketing was definitely the last thing in the process. And so they were just throwing it at an intern saying, hey, find me, find me 10 people you like. And they were just finding people with the largest number of followers. Yeah. And I would go into a room. If I was invited to that same event, I would be in that room and I would look around the room and say, she doesn't have kids and this is a kid-centered product. You can see how many people in the room were just the wrong person to be in that room. Right. And since, I mean, these influencers obviously share everything that they do online, mm -hmm. going back and looking at their feeds, looking at what they're talking about, even a careful look at their their hashtags and you can kind of tell where their influences are can't you you can the goal is not to find someone who is trying to influence the oh. goal is to find someone who has a successful social media presence mm. and that means what kind of content are they creating how much are they engaging with their audience do they know what they're talking about mm. do they feel passionate about what they're talking about it's not about someone who is clearly setting out to become an influencer. Mm -hmm. And yes, hashtags are important. Everybody knows that now. My 12-year-old knows that now. But, <laughs> but it's not really about that. And I think that's the wrong way to approach it. That's when you get stuck in a room full of people that you've just... You, you've paid for their presence, whether you know or not. Even if you're just feeding them and giving them cocktails, you've, or you've spent that money. And if half of the people in that room are not really, their audience aren't a good fit for you, or the content you've given them to create is mm -hmm. not, does not fit organically with their feed, that's a waste. And so I think that naturally for me leads to also understanding who their audience is. And over a year ago, Reed and I did an episode on micro-influencers. Mm -hmm. Is that the right term? Is that a... Well, it is. It changes. It depends on where you are. Mm -hmm. So in the Midwest, a micro-influencer's someone with very different numbers and someone in New York or LA. Mm. In LA, a micro-influencer is probably someone with under 100,000 followers. Mm. In Minnesota, where we are, a micro-influencer is someone with under 5,000 followers. So it's a mm. huge difference. Mm -hmm. Micro-influencers have much, much higher engagement with their audience. Just It's just time-consuming. It's very time-consuming to engage with your audience. And if you have a million followers, you're simply not engaging the way someone with 100,000 followers is engaging. It depends on what you want, if you want that kind of engagement or not. I, of course, I always suggest that you want that. Every brand is different. Every The goal of the campaign is really what should drive your decisions as far as who to curate for that campaign. If it's just brand recognition, that's very different than a call to action mm -hmm. or a specific product or a specific LTO. Or a, a, right. if it's a October Breast Awareness, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, if we're trying to get to specific audiences for that for a short amount of time, that's going to be different than just trying to get Mayo on the map. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, an interesting way that you distinguish those two. Because yeah, for branding purposes, you probably want the macro influencers, you want the, the larger people. And, and, for, right. and for like maybe service lines or very specific things, the micro influencers might have more impact. Right. They'll engage. They'll actually respond to 
to a follower asking a question. Mm -hmm. Oh, where did you get that medication? Or mm -hmm. how has it helped you? Real life engagement. Mm -hmm. And I know brands want ROI and social media you can see immediately. I did a campaign recently with a mommy blogger and the first eight minutes of her post going live, she had about 12 comments of people saying, I need this in my life. Hmm. Where do you get it? Hmm. And she stays up all night. Mm -hmm. She has a newborn, so she's up anyway, but she stays up all night and she responds to them. Huh. So it becomes your, now your brand is a part of the conversation rather than just pushing out and broadcasting your message sure. and hoping it sticks. In my mind too, I think about, you know, when I first got into healthcare, there was a lot of em emphasis on spokespeople and having, you know, local sports celebrities, maybe television celebrities mm -hmm. be part of your PR efforts. Right. Uh, this also seems like a little bit of an intersect with that as well, except now using the new mediums of social. That's absolutely right. TV personalities, I don't know if that's that's a touchy subject. Mm -hmm. Sports figures, for example, I think that's a very valid use of, of influencers. They are in that world. Now mm -hmm. they may they may just be promoting your your campaign or your cause if you're involved in some sort of a cause. Mm -hmm they don't have to necessarily be a patient, mm -hmm. but I think they're impactful. They have been through it. They have been through fitness. They have, they've lived that life. You mentioned something um, there that was interesting and, and you said it, they don't necessarily have to be your patient. And I've heard that started to creep into our conversations now. And I know that there are some health systems that actually are working with people that are maybe advocates for a particular uh, health cause that are not patients. Is that one of your strategies is like to maybe you don't have to necessarily identify a patient? Well, I don't know all the legalities around it mm -hmm. in healthcare, but I wouldn't even tread there <laughs> if you asked me to come on board. There are many people, so uh, I'm actually looking at her feed right now, Matilda, who does the, the travel, she's a travel and fashion blogger, but she has psoriasis and mm -hmm. she talks about that. She talks about it very openly, very honestly, but that is not what she's about. It doesn't define her, which people love. And she's a completely approachable. She's not super accessible. She has 114,000 followers, but she has all these wonderful photos of herself traveling and just sort of coincidentally in some of the photos, she'll talk about psoriasis. So she has a photo where she's in a swimsuit and she'll talk about being open about her skin condition. And so that to me is very, very powerful. The people that are reading her or following her, they don't look at her as a patient. They look at her as a human being out in the world, an aspirational human being who's out in the world, who happens to have this thing in common with them. And of course she's, it's, she's in on the hashtag game, right? She's hashtagging with psoriasis mm -hmm. and that's how they're finding her. Right. Wow. That's that's a great distinction. The other avenue or the other audience group that I think a lot of healthcare people listening in are thinking about are physicians. Tell me what, how you feel that maybe physicians might play a role as part of your influencer strategy. I believe that people know when something is genuine and organic. I have faith in the audience. Mm -hmm. And so if a physician really wants to talk about something that they're passionate about and excited about, and they do so, so, so on their own social media platforms. They can also be thought leaders. They can also be talking at your conference. That does not mean that they can't be organic, natural, genuine, authentic influencers. Mm -hmm. But I would much rather see them talking about it on their own social media platforms. Now, one thing that happens a lot with social media nowadays is the reposting. Mm -hmm. And it needs to be in the conversation or in the contract when you bring in a, an influencer 
But in general, when I work with an influencer, I always ask that we are able to repost. Mm -hmm. So you're sort of getting a double whammy. You're, you're getting their, you're tapping into their audience. Let's say in this woman's Matilda's case, 114,000 followers. But then if you were Soraya's medication brand and you paid her, you sponsored her post, you should be able to repost her on your own social media feeds, mm. which theoretically brings along those 114,000 followers. That's a great pro tip right there, right? Ask for permission. Ask for permission. And then, always cite them. Always yeah, cite them. Always cite them. That's great. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of sold a little bit. I was a little skeptical about influencer marketing. You're kind of influencing me, <laughs> pun intended, to become, you know, to, to really start to embrace some of these things. Many people listening in may not, you know, have have uh, thoughts around how to get started. Do you have like yeah. a couple of tips to get them started on how do they start planning this, mapping this out? First thing is what is your message? What are you trying to say? Mm -hmm. That's going to really inform who you use. If you're if you're just trying to do, like we said, brand awareness versus a specific product or a specific campaign, mm -hmm. that's going to determine that. Then you obviously, marketing 101, you need to know your audience. Who is your audience? Who are you tra trying to talk to? Who are you trying to influence? And from there, just going on your favorite social media mm -hmm. platform, whatever that is. Mine is Instagram. Mm -hmm. But if that's not where you think your audience lives, mm -hmm. LinkedIn, Facebook, where have you. And just find people. Use those hashtags. Put in your hashtag. Look for people that excite you. Again, it depends on if you're local, national, or global. Mm -hmm. But these folks are out there. And I'm going to plug. I'm going to do a plug for one one firm uh, that is really the firm, and that's four, F-O-H-R. They're out of New York, James Nord. Anybody who's interested in learning more about this, just follow James Nord. He mm. has a blog, a vlog called A Drink With James, mm. and he is amazing. Mm -hmm. He's the first to admit that this is an ever-evolving, this is the Wild West, this is an ever-evolving platform. Things are changing. Something he will talk about six months ago will no longer be valid now, and that's okay. That's just the way it is. Keeping up with Folks like him with thought leaders about thought leaders <laughs> is has been very helpful to me. Well, I'm sure glad that um, I was able to reach out to you and actually convince you to be on the show. People listening in um, may want to know a little bit more about you. Sure. What's a way they can reach out to you? Best way to reach me is through Instagram. Like I said, that is my favorite current platform. And I emphasize current. These things change all the time at Alex Lodner. DM mm -hmm. me, ask me any questions. I love to discuss this. This is yeah something that I'm very excited about. Yeah, and your Instagram feed is fun to follow, so I would it's recommend all food. that. I definitely will put that in the show notes, and we'll also put a link over to your LinkedIn, so people can also because you know some people follow Absolutely. you that way too. Absolutely, um, Alex. Thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate you coming on, sharing some of your insights and Thank wisdom. You. It's been fun. Very fun. Thank you. All right. Well, special thanks to Alex for all of her great time on the on, in the interview. She shared some really good ideas and really gave practical, hands-on experience yeah. around building influencers. So I encourage you to reach out to her. And definitely, she said in the in the uh, interview, follow her on Instagram. She is great, a great person to follow. Absolutely. Well, before we get to recommendations, a couple of quick plugs. Of course, we are currently, um, I guess, as you're listening to this, wrapping up this year's the 2019 uh, annual conference here at the Mayo Clinic. I'm just going to go ahead and say it was a great time. I agree with you. <laughs> we had a great time. 
Yeah. By the time you're listening to this, it's half over, and we are we That's right. we are very successful. That's right, very successful. I'm probably presenting right now, matter of fact. <laughs> um, but in any case, the next uh, next conference coming up, uh, November fourth through the sixth, so just a few weeks away, we'll be down in sunny Orlando, Florida, for the Healthcare Internet Conference. If I remember right from our interview just a couple of weeks ago, this is the 23rd mm-hmm. annual, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. So if you have not checked that out, it's not too late. Uh, HCIC.net is the website, uh, but that's always a great one. It really is. And, um, and you know, it reminds me, Reed, we're getting near the end of the year, which means we're starting to plan our year-end podcast. It's sort of our year in review. And right after that become the annual Touch P Awards that's I just right. Made that up. Yeah, the uh, yeah our annual award show. Yeah. I think we did. Was that the first show of the new year? The last show of this year. Anyway, we got to look back and figure that out. But yeah, right. So that, that speaking of, we got to get the survey out, the listener survey, where everybody can vote and all that kind of fun stuff. So we'll do that here pretty soon. And the best way to do that is jump out to our website, touchpoint.health, and sign up for our weekly email, which is the TPS report. That's right. Right? And sign up for that because I think we're going to extend this year, we're going to extend it to be an award show, not just about our podcast, but the other podcasts on the network. What do you think, Reed? Absolutely. Yeah. All of them. All of them included, all the hosts, everybody. So we'll have, right. some, have some good stuff there. Absolutely. Well, before we wrap up the show, Reed, um, it's interesting I get to set this up, but I um, yes. want to mention uh, some recommendations. Uh, do you want to get started first? Absolutely. So I'm going to recommend an app that nobody's going to download. So this, okay. will, this will be really exciting, I'm All sure, right. for everybody. But I thought it was an interesting use case. Everybody always asks about apps and mm-hmm. should you have an app and all that kind of good stuff. So I took my son this past weekend uh, over to Oxford, Mississippi for the Ole Miss-Texas A&M football game. Anyway, and they started promoting, like, download the Rebel Rewards app, hmm. right? Which you're like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. But okay. So, of course, he wants to download the Rebel Rewards app. So we do. Well, what was really interesting is, of course, there's like prizes and games and stuff that you can play within the app. It's a Coca-Cola-sponsored app, so they probably do it for other stadiums and other teams, mm-hmm. I would assume. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I thought was really fascinating was it was like, you know, it's t- they would prompt you to use it. And so you would pull the phone out, and at that time it had a button that would say activate, and you would hit it. And they can control the flash on your camera in oh, the stadium, wow. and so they can like do these strobe effects, or they can make it like with the with the mu- the cadence to the music and stuff like that. It was pretty fascinating. I thought, well, that's pretty interesting. And then I got to thinking, like someone else is controlling our phones from afar, you know, kind of <laughs> thing. But anyway, it's just kind of interesting. So anyway, it's called the Rebel Rewards app, and I'm sure again, I'm sure they do it for other other stadiums. But I'd just be curious if anybody else has downloaded you know similar type apps and. It's kind of cool. cool. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Well, I'm going to recommend an app today to read, and this one actually might be downloadable more than the one you recommended. Have you ever been in a meeting where people are just droning on and on and on and on? You can't get a word in Edwards. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's awesome. right. It's time for the Airhorn app. Just pull out this app. It's called Airhorn. You can download it out That's of the, the app, um, the app store. And anytime you need to just put a halt to whatever it might be, or you just need to, you know, move on to a different topic, or you just want to end the meeting or whatever it might be, just pull it out. There you go. That's pretty good. I would recommend that to anyone. I'm actually going to be using it during a panel session tomorrow to keep people on time. <laughs> and great. it just adds a little bit of levity. And by the way, just a little pro tip here, you can probably use it at home. Uh, with your kids. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so the that Airhorn app. 
That is great. Good recommendations. Another good show. Uh, always fun to be here at the Mayo Clinic. If you're not here this year, I would encourage you to, to join the network. Uh, they have residencies throughout the year, but of course the annual conference each fall. A lot of great education along the way, however. Again, touchpoint.health is the website. Rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen. For Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.